So Christmas comes and Christmas goes and it all gets put back in the box. But you know, there's something in here that I don't think we should put back in the box, but we often do. And it's this word. Who can tell me what that word is? Little ones. Anyone? Older ones. Expectation. Well done, Josh, at the back there. Expectation. You see, Christmas is all about expectation. It's all about the countdown, isn't it? I mean, we get so excited in the countdown to Christmas, and not just kids, but adults as well. And when it comes down to it, you've got to boil down, what do we get so expectant and excited about? One of the things we get excited about is the Christmas dinner, which, let's face it, is a souped-up roast Sunday lunch. That's all it is, isn't it? And yet, if you went into Asda or Sainsbury's or Lidl two or three days before Christmas, you would think that the end of the world is about to happen because everybody is stocking up on everything and it's only one day. And in fact, this year, um, we, uh, (laughs) Alison and myself, Alison said, I need to go out and do the big shop, you know, before Christmas. This was two or three days out from Christmas. And I said, darling, I will come with you and help you. She said, you're not coming. I said, what do you possibly mean? He says, you're not coming because you're going to get really grumpy because as the two or three days before Christmas, you don't want to be there, okay? And I said, please, I promise this year I will be good, all right? I wanted something from Santa, obviously. So she said, and this is true, she said, you can come on one condition, you bring a book with you because if you get bad, you're going to a coffee shop with the book and I'll carry on with the shop. So we struck a deal and we went and I was really, really good. I was really good. And we had so much food in the basket. But when we got to the checkout, Alison had forgotten something. I thought, you couldn't have forgotten something. There's nothing else to fit in this jolly basket. And so she had to go. And I then was unpacking the stuff on the, uh, the conveyor belt at Asda. Three women were waiting behind me who took pity on me, who helped me to unpack the basket. I look so sad and pathetic as a bloke with this amount of food. But I just thought we are going crazy for one dinner. The expectation is going through the roof. And then what about the Christmas presents? How many of you got what you always wanted? How many of you faked it? Let's be honest, a few of you faked it. Oh, it's just what I always wanted. (laughs) Didn't you? But there's such expectation on the presents. And then, of course, there's the Christmas TV specials. And I was going to wear a black armband today. Because Downton Abbey is no more. But then I thought, why wear a black armband? I wanted to throw a street party, to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm not a Downton Abbey fan. But we get so, so expectant about all these different Christmas things. But then what we do at the end of Christmas is we put expectation back in the box. And one of the TV specials that I used to love when I was younger was Only Fools and Horses. Anyone remember that? And I watched an episode of Only Fools and Horses this year. It was on Comedy Gold or Dave, one of, one of these, these, these stations. And I watched the episode and, and, and it reminded me as I watched it of the catchphrase that Del Boy used to say at the end of all the episodes. This time next year, Rodney, will be millionaires. And the episode I watched was where they found the watch and they became millionaires. And it was really interesting because all the expectation had suddenly gone. Because they were suddenly millionaires. And, and the episode talked about the fact that they both ended up back in their old flat in Peckham. And actually, they, they thought, we've, we've arrived. We've got no expectation. We don't really feel alive. And at the end of the episode, as they're walking off into the sunshine, he turns around and he says, 
This time next year, Rodney, we'll be billionaires. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's what we're going to do this year. But expectation is so important because without it, we're not really fully alive. And I want to suggest, and we're, I'm going to ask Andy to put that up for us. I want to suggest that actually, let's not put expectation back in the box just because Christmas has finished. Let's keep expectation out of the box and let's be expectant towards God this coming year. There's an old hymn that people often sing at Christmas time and it says this, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Come thou long expected Jesus. And there was a guy in the Christmas story. Well, it's not really the Christmas story, but it's just a bit after the Christmas story. So we don't often talk about it. But he was an old man who really had expectation. He never put expectation back in the box. He was waiting patiently for God to show up. And this is what it says about him in Luke chapter 2. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's a big word. Basically, he was waiting for the Messiah to come, for God to come. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon didn't put expectation back in the box. Simeon waited patiently, full of the Holy Spirit, expectantly. And when God appeared, he embraced him in his arms. What an amazing way to head into this year. That we don't put expectation back in the box, but we remain expectant. And we want to be expectant this year for what God can do in our lives. There's a great verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And that verse is saying that God can do more than we can ask. So let's be expectant for what God can do this year. And one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 5. And there's a great verse in Psalm 5, verse 3. It says this, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. And I wonder how many of us, when we pray and we ask God for something, just get up and forget all about it. But the psalmist says, no, I pour out these things before you and then I wait in expectation. I don't put that back in the box, but I take it out and I wait expecting you to answer. And not only this year, let's be expectant for what God can do, but let's be expectant for who God is. And all the way through this year, there'll be opportunities where we can embrace God and where God can show us who he is as we journey through 2016 together. And he's going to help us with another word that we often put back in the box. Cheers. Every Christmas season, we wait with bated breath to see what advert John Lewis have produced. And this year, it was no different, was it? The Man on the Moon advert went viral within hours of it being on YouTube. Everyone's posting it, going, oh, I literally got tears in my eyes, all that kind of nonsense. And, but this year's advert was a little bit unconventional, wasn't it? It was a little bit unexpected and there was a lot of discussion about it a lot of people going what on earth are they playing at a lot of people loved it a lot of people hated it um, I read an article in the Guardian that made me chuckle it was quite tongue-in-cheek uh, so please don't be offended by it but this is what the article said they're discussing who on earth does this old man represent and it says this clearly the answer is that the old man is a monster that's the only logical explanation Napoleon only got exiled to a Mediterranean island, for crying out loud, and he was Napoleon. But this guy has literally been jettisoned to the moon. 
He is hundreds of thousands of miles away from the nearest human being. What could he have possibly done to warrant such punishment? How many people must he have killed? How many lives must have been crushed into nothing under his vicious boot? Is he a war criminal? Is that it? Is he Hitler? Is this whole advert just a berserk wish for film and fantasy about how the international community should have treated Hitler if they caught him before he killed himself? If that's the case, as I strongly suggest it is, the advert slogan should probably be revised from show someone their love this Christmas to don't give balloons to Moon Hitler, you idiot. <laughs> I quite like that. And, you know, on Christmas Eve, uh, the John, Lewis, John Lewis and Age UK, who partnered in making this advert, released a follow-up which revealed the true meaning behind the advert. Check it out. It's on the screens. A Christmas... We're really good at showing consideration. You know, loads of people get involved with it. Uh, footballers go and visit sick children in hospital. Although this year, sick children went and vi visited the Aston Villa team to make them feel better. <laughs> <laughs> but we are really good at showing consideration at Christmas. It's a slow burner, that one. A few people getting it. There's a few people on their way home who just laugh their heads off. Come on, consideration. Um, we're really good. We're really good at texting Santa, at stuffing the sleigh, buying the big issue, thinking about people who are on their own at Christmas. But often, it's one of the things that goes back in the box. When we hit January, we begin to think about the money that we need to save and the weight that we need to lose, and we become me-focused again. We spend December being generous, and then we spend January being tight, not just with money, but with our time and our efforts as well. And, you know, Jesus wasn't just a considerate and compassionate gift from God the Father. He modeled consideration and he modeled compassion. It says this in Matthew where um, it's just after John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, uh, had been killed. Simon, can you hand that for me? Um, and it says this, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by both privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. He's grieving the loss of his cousin. And loads of people turn up and say, Jesus, will you heal us? Will you do this? We want to hear you speak. If that was me, I'd be like, can you come back next week? I just need a bit of time. But Jesus has compassion. And he has consideration. And he spends time healing and talking to the crowds. You see, like I said, Jesus wasn't just a considerate and compassionate gift. He modeled it. And, you know, I want to give you some tips about how you can avoid putting consideration back in the box in the new year. The first tip is if you're uh, at school, if you're a kid or a teenager, if you're at school, there will be somebody in your class or somebody in your form or one of your lessons that is lonely, that doesn't have any friends. You will know who they are. You'll be thinking of them now. Why not commit to spending 10 minutes this week and then in the next few weeks chatting to them? asking them how their Christmas was, being their friend. You don't have to become their best friend, but showing somebody that somebody else cares. Or maybe perhaps in your workplace there is somebody who often sits alone who doesn't seem to have any friends. Why not take the time to be considerate and uh, invest in a relationship? The second one is, um, I heard about uh, the Empty Chair initi Initiative uh, over Christmas, and it's, it's meant to run throughout the year. And that's if, if you have an empty chair at your dinner table when perhaps you do Sunday lunch, why not invite somebody on your street or, or who you know that might be alone that Sunday? 
because it's not just at Christmas. Every year we used to end up in our house with, with, with one of the old people from church who was going to be on their own. Um, and we'd always invite them around on Christmas Day, but it would never happen through the rest of the year. What if we committed to, to maybe once a month inviting somebody who might be alone into our homes? That's that about um, over, over a million elderly people can go a month without speaking to someone. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? Um, and the final tip I want to give you is commit to being in the moment. Often we spend so much time on social media that it's like if something happens and it doesn't go on social media, it's like it never happened. And we spend our time, I go to gigs and see people watching an entire gig through their phone because they're filming it. Like I'm, I'm trying to do this. I want to commit to being in the moment and not being on my phone all the time, not constantly checking Facebook. How many times have I missed that someone isn't okay because I'm looking at jokes on Twitter? Let's commit to being in the moment and commit to showing consideration this year. We're going to watch another video clip that unpacks the theme a little bit more. That's, a, that's an inspiring media piece there, isn't it? And at the start of this new year, now that Christmas is over, we have a, an invitation from God to play our part in beginning the work of Christmas. You know, as a church uh, community, as a community of believers, let's be more open to sharing our faith this year, more open to helping our neighbor, more open to help bring in uh, uh, healing and hope to those most broken around us. And one of the ways we can do this is through invitation. When we don't, put it back in the box. You see, Jesus, Jesus invites us to be part of his great plan. We have an invitation from him to bring hope to this broken world. And for a minute, I want you all to think back to when you were five years of age. And I know this is going to be much harder for some of you than others, but stay with me. Now that you're there, think back to that first birthday party invitation you received. How did it make you feel? And I really hope this works and doesn't bring back trauma this morning because we're not pastorally back until tomorrow. But Leon's on the front row if you need him. You know, the reason I'm, I'm mentioning this is because recently, Cara, my five-year-old daughter, started school, and she got her first birthday party invitation. You know, the, the joy and the excitement on her face uh, uh, as she came running out of school to tell us was, was incredible. It's something I won't forget. Nothing else seemed to matter that day. But later that day, that evening when all the excitement had calmed down, we discovered that also that day, Cara had her written and spelt out her own full name, Cara Grace Woodward. You know, for us, that far outweighed the birthday invitation. But for Cara, the invitation was incredible. Thanks, Andy. What I'm trying to show you here is that the power of invitation is massive. It matters and it makes a difference. It's not just uh, in, uh, intended for children's or limited to children's birthday parties. I'm sure you can all recall someone or, or who's invited you to something. And it may be church here this morning. You're here because someone first invited you. 
and that's still the largest statistic in how people first come to church because of invitation. And invitation is huge because it signals that you're thought of. It signals that you're accepted and it signals that you're loved. And yes, we, we all get this wrong sometimes. We can all forget to invite. I'm terrible at it. But there is one who doesn't. And his name is Jesus. See, relationships are the greatest gift we need. It's not more stuff, not more presence. It's more time with people in healthy relationships where we know for sure that we're thought of, that we're the first thought and not the last thought, where we're accepted, and that's as we are, and then that we're loved. And the greatest gift we're given is Jesus, who totally fulfills this. And, this, and then we're invited by him to have a, a relationship with him. In the Bible, we read throughout Jesus' life and ministry that he invited everyone, all people, to come to him. Sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, imperfect people who were often overlooked. See, Jesus embraced these people. He showed them that they were thought of. He showed them that they were accepted. And he showed them that they were loved. He invited all people to follow him. He invited people who were fed up, who were stressed up, who were disillusioned and disappointed with life to come to him. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Revelations 3 and verse 20. It's an incredible invitation. It says this, and it's Jesus saying it. Here I am. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus gives us this amazing invitation. You know, he doesn't force his way in. He knocks and he waits patiently. The invitation is ours to take. And the door really symbols our heart, our life. And when we let him in, he lives with us. And then he lives through us. This is a, an invitation to Christians uh, as well as non-Christians. We often hear it in the latter context to invite people to faith. But it's an invitation for Christians because I believe this is something we have to accept on a daily basis, to invite Jesus always into our lives. And when we do this, it will not only bring transformation, but sanctification, which helps us to become more Christ-like. And as Christians, uh, when we accept this amazing invitation, we have no choice, guys, but to invite others to receive it too. That is the very heart of the gospel. And as a Christian, I want to encourage you to, to, to keep accepting God's invitation. Keep accepting his invitation to get closer to him. This year, I want to invite you to uh, let God into all the areas of your life. And then as you do that, then invite other people to experience this same amazing grace that God offers too. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, if you're just checking this faith thing out, then I want to invite you to keep checking it out. You know, you're invited and you're welcome here every Sunday. But here, I want to 
give you a personal invitation to something else we do here at this church, and that's Alpha. You've heard a, a lot about it if you've been journeying with us the last couple of weeks. You know, at Alpha, you get an opportunity to ask any questions that you may have. It's in a relaxed and smaller setting. We start with free food, and it's good food. I know because I eat it. I'm one of the leaders with a great team. There's then a short presentation on the Christian faith, and then an opportunity to discuss what you've heard. And guys, it runs for just eight Monday evenings, for just over an hour and a half. And we have a daytime to uh, one, two on a, on a Friday morning at 10 a.m. The evening one starts the 18th of January uh, at 7.30 p.m. And the daytime one, the 22nd, like I said, at 10 a.m. And there are invitation cards at the back of church and also a sign-up sheet. You know, if you're checking this faith thing out this morning, then please consider this from me, your personal invitation to come along. Sign up and leave your details uh, at the back, and I personally will get back to you this week. You know, for everyone else here this morning, I want to encourage you uh, to think about who you can invite to Alpha uh, uh, 2, who you can bring along, who you're going to give that invitation to. And I want to encourage you to pick up a, a card, uh, an invitation card at the back as you leave this morning too. You know, let's invite people all the time, not just at Christmas time. You know, and as a church, we are great at this. But this year, let's be even greater. You know, we've learned and, and we know the power of invitation is massive. It's huge and it can change everything. Your invitation can be a part of that change. So let's make sure we don't put invitation back in the box. Helena, what else is uh, in the box? <coughs> so it might feel like we've come to the end of something. It might feel like we've come to the end of the celebration. And it might feel a bit now, we're a we, couple of days into January, that the celebration is going to go back in the box. It's my glamorous assistant, Andy. But it's not going to go back in the box, is it? Because at Christmas, we read the Christmas story, don't we? And often the Christmas story finishes uh, with the kings, and the kings come, and they celebrate the birth of Jesus, and they give Jesus the gifts uh, and that's often where we finish the story. But the story didn't finish there, did it? The, the birth of Jesus, just as our birth, isn't the end of the story. It's just the beginning. And so for us as Christians, we can continue the story and we can continue the celebration. In the book of um, Colossians, which is in the New Testament, um, it talks about Jesus. And when it talks about Jesus, it says, he is the image of the invisible God. It's in chapter 1, verse 15. What an amazing thing to think about. That's worth celebrating, isn't it? Because when Jesus was born, everything changed because the invisible God became visible. That is going to affect our lives, isn't it? If we believe that and if we think about it. Uh, and we have some things at Christmas in our house that come visible. And one of the things that uh, we like is food. I don't know about you guys, but we like food in our house. And I like to bake. And at Christmas time... Uh, things that are not there for the rest of the year start to become visible. But we have a problem, okay? Because if we have one person in our house that as soon as the food becomes visible, makes the food invisible. 
Um, and so a week before Christmas, I started the baking. And I wouldn't like... To, I don't want to name names. But this uh, he uh, is um, the person that does this. And so uh, with my uh, daughters, I did some baking. And we had to keep a, uh, a secret that we had made these things. And then we hid them away so that somebody in the house wouldn't know what they were. And so when Christmas Day came and we actually had guests, we could actually bring out some of the Christmas food and not have to explain to them that it had already been eaten. Um, there was also a Christmas miracle in our house, believe it or not. Uh, every year we try to make a gingerbread house. Uh, and for the last five years we have made this gingerbread house. Uh, but the tradition in our house is that it always falls down. Uh, and it will only be held up with scaffolding at best. Uh, but this year we achieved a Christmas miracle and was visible for the first time a gingerbread house that actually stood up. Uh, it was amazing. I took a photo on Christmas Eve and we laid hands on and anointed it in the name of Jesus and prayed that in the morning it would still be standing, and it was. Um, and for us, that's one of the visible signs uh, that we're celebrating something. Um, so what does it mean for us that Jesus came and that he became visible for the first time. If you're a Christian, uh, it's life-changing, isn't it? That when Jesus came, God became visible to us. And when we remember that, it changes our lives. If we take the celebration of Christmas and we put it back in the box, we're putting Jesus back in the box, aren't we? And if we don't think about Jesus until Easter uh, a time and we don't take him back out the box until that point, we're going to miss out on something, aren't we? The next part of Jesus' story, we don't know that well, do we? We don't know a lot of stories about his childhood. But what we do know is that childhood is incredibly important, isn't it? What happens in your childhood and who loves you and who influences you and the things that are said over you and the things that happen to you have a massive impact upon who you grow up to be as an adult. And that would have been the same for Jesus as well, wouldn't it? The influence upon him, that part that's invisible to us, would have influenced the bit that we see. And as a children and families pastor, I get the privilege of being part of a lot of the children's journey in that. And it is an amazing thing to see. With the volunteers that I work with, we get to work with children both in the church and in the community. And we get to be part of that journey. And we get to be the witnesses for Jesus of the invisible God. Because kids will grow up knowing who Jesus is by looking at us and the example that we set to them. And that is an amazing privilege, isn't it? They're going to know who God, this invisible God is, by what the church says and does to them. That's an amazing thought. So for 2016, we have a challenge, don't we? Uh, not just with the kids, but with the whole church and the community outside of us. That God has given us the privilege of walking with him and partnering with him. And he has given us a role, hasn't he, to play. He could come down and reveal himself now to everybody and he chooses not to. He chooses to be the invisible God that is made visible for, through you and I. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you uh, for who you are and what you've done, Lord God. We thank you that the Christmas uh, story is not over, uh, Lord Jesus, but that it continued and that we know that you continue to work today, Lord God. We thank you that in 2016, we can have expectation of things that you're going to do, Lord God. And we know that you're going to do way beyond anything we could imagine. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, that you have called us to be people of consideration, that as a church community, Lord God, our role on earth is to love people and to serve them and to seek out the lost 
and the lonely, Lord God. And I pray you'd help us to do that this year. Lord God, I thank you that you are using us to invite people to you. And I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that you would place people upon our hearts that we could invite to church and that we could see come to know you, Lord God. And I thank you for the celebration of your birth, Lord Jesus, and that that doesn't just happen at Christmas, that that can happen every day in our lives as we remember you and what you've done for us, Lord God. Amen.